unexplained phenomena, unknown entities, unidentified flying objects, mythical creatures and secret conspiracies. This radio show presents information based on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to present some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. You're listening to the Paranormal Pulse podcast. Now, let's get this show on the road. to be kings. We are the princes of the universe. This is the Paranormal Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Lance Phillip, and again, with me this week is my lovely wife, Jennifer. Hi, Jen. Hi. Am I able to be a queen? I don't want to be a prince. Well, we have to get to that point first. Okay. All right. But, and yes, we're going to thank our house band tonight, that is Queen, with Princes of the Universe. So, we just had... um, the other day, you, me and you were discussing um, 9-11. Yes. And it had just passed, and, and we talked about something, and I 
thought we'd talk about this now. Um, whether it would be disrespectful to want to do a ghost hunt there. Okay. Um, we had talked about it, and tell me what you had thought about it. For me, it's disrespectful because I want to preserve the sanctity of the um, the area. I don't think it's far enough away from the tragedy that happened there yet for me personally to feel comfortable going in and doing a formal ghost hunt. Um, I just think that it would be, I don't know how to say it, um, disrespectful is the closest thing I can come to it that, um, you know, if we're there, what happens if you run into a family member or somebody who had a friend who died there or, um, excuse me, somebody who was maybe injured in the process or whatever. And I just think that there's still too many of those people around for me to be personally comfortable doing it. And I know that you felt a little bit different. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, obviously you want to be respectful uh, in every way, shape, and form, especially if there are people's, you know, families there. And at the same time, my curiosity and my quest um, to find proof of the paranormal brings me to wanting to investigate there. Now, um, as you know, I lived in the city at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not in the city when it happened. I was in the Poconos uh, visiting my, my dad at the time. Um, but for me, it's also very weird because when I did go back to the city after it happened, I went back a few days later, and I used to be able to see the towers outside of my window uh, where I lived in Brooklyn. I could look out my back window, and I would, could see the towers. You know, I lived in an apartment building, and I was on a higher floor. So... Um, it was weird not to see them. Mm-hmm. And then to drive down by the Brooklyn Promenade and not see them, you know. Right. It was very weird. Um, but at the same time, I think, I, I really do think I would like to do some type of, I wouldn't do a formal investigation because A, you'll never be able to, but I think, I was telling you the other day, I, I would like to do um, just a little EVP sessions, right? you know, nothing with equipment where anybody could see or anything. Um, now, if you remember, we went to the Liberty Science Center here in New Jersey. Yes, we did. And they had an exhibit of skyscrapers, and they had some of the beams that were removed from the rubble of the World Trade Center. And what did I do? I, my curiosity made me take out an EMF meter and, and not just the beams there, but around the whole place, just out of curiosity. And what did we find? We found higher EMFs around, around, the, um, around the beams from the World Trade Center. And it was to the point with me where I was getting the reaction on my arms. Like, there was almost like electric in the air. Uh, it was really interesting. Now, that doesn't mean it was haunted in any way. No. But it was just very weird that we got high EMF readings only around the two beams. And they're not near each other. They're on different sides of, the, of that exhibit. Okay, and think about this. It was also 14 years ago. It was 13 when we went um, right. last year. So it, for them to hold that sort of energy, it's a little bit strange, I thought. And the fact that, you know, it was, it was a, there was a lot of, there were a lot of people in that exhibit. And I did it. Uh, very discreetly that no one saw it. No one noticed, you know. Um, you know, I made sure there was nobody around. And and again, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I was just curious. It was a curiosity that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe it would be different around, you know, around the actual Ground Zero. I don't, because I haven't been to Ground Zero. I haven't uh, either. You know, since it happened. Um, I just feel like, I was, I was able to see the building, the buildings outside my back window. I don't need to go down there with all the tourists. I can remember, you know, without going down to see it, you know. And it's really weird because I've seen people get mad because people are taking selfies down there. And people are like, well, that's disrespectful. But then I thought about this. I was like, 
we go and investigate in Gettysburg and Antietam and places like that where many, many more people lost their lives than 9-11. Mm-hmm. But because 9-11 is only you know, 14 years ago, it's still fresh with us and we lived through it. Where if we went to Gettysburg and took a, a selfie on the battlefield, no one would think twice about it. Right. You know, we have kids running all around there playing on the cannons and this stuff, the other thing. And yet, just as, you know, more people died and probably died, well, I wouldn't say more tragically, but because either way, it's a vicious, you know, it's a vicious cycle, you know, it, and there's no war, whether it be, you know, in, in the Civil War, any other type of war, it's just horrible. So, you know, but the fact that we investigate there, I don't know if there's that much of a difference. I think it's the time factor mm-hmm. more than anything else. I think because we are so far away from what happened with Gettysburg and Antietam um, that it's not disrespect. You're going there to remember. But I think that because it's only, it hasn't even been 20 years yet, right. um, that people are still around who remember what happened. And that's where the disrespect comes from. Well, you know, we... There's, there's a, you know, you know the kids like bounce houses. Yeah. There's one out there that is a slide, an inflatable slide that you could hire for parties. That's the Titanic. So. Right. That's another tragedy. But now it's a bounce house. It's a you know it's a play it's a kids play thing. You know how long how long do you wait until it goes from being a tragic situation to hey let's have a party and get an inflatable Titanic. You know what I'm saying? I guess, but still, that was 100 years ago, too. Right. No, no, and I I get that. I get that. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think you you could, again, you know, at some point, there's going to be somebody who goes in and, and, you know, investigates there. And I'm sure there have been already. I'm sure there were people who were doing it right after the, uh, the towers came down, you know, after the rubble was cleared. Right. Um. But for me personally, it's not something I'm interested in doing. Maybe I'll feel differently in another 10 years or so. I don't see right. that happening, but you never know. So where won't you go and investigate? I, I See, that's the thing. I don't think there is a place I wouldn't investigate. No? There's no. just not a place where you said, that's my limit, I won't do it? No. I, I don't... For me, no. I mean... As long as you're not disrespecting people who are around, you know, um, you know, I think if you went in discreetly or if you went in in a place that when it was, you know, closed to the public and you did it, you know, I don't think it would be, I don't think there's any place I wouldn't do, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But on that note, if you did have to pick anywhere in the world to go ghost hunting, uh, or not, let's just not say ghost hunting. Let's just say paranormal investigating. Yeah. Where would you go? Uh, well, I am a bit of an Anglophile. I love all things British, um, which you know. Um, big fan of everything over there, including the royal family. So my favorite place I think that I would love to go is the Tower of London. Um now, if anybody knows their their history, the Tower of London um, is where Henry VIII liked to behead a lot of people. Um, in fact, that's where he beheaded Anne Boleyn, which was his second wife. His fifth wife, um, Catherine Howard, who was related to Anne Boleyn, um, as well as a variety of different people, including uh, Margaret Pole, who was... Um, she was a countess, and her son was Cardinal Pole. He was very high up in the Catholic Church. And um, he was speaking out against Henry VIII for um, starting what ultimately became the Anglican religion, the Church of England. Um, He did that so that he could marry Anne Boleyn. We'll get back into that in a little bit. Um, So what he did was he arrested Cardinal Pole's mother, Margaret Pole. kept her in the Tower of London as a prisoner. And when you are a prisoner, 
at that time, you actually had to pay for your own board. You had to pay for your own food. You had to pay for blankets. You had to pay for firewood. You had to pay for everything. They basically just threw you in a room and then started to take your money. Um, so as you know, he was fighting against Cardinal Pole, um, he decided that that Countess Pole was going to be executed. Um, but she was a feisty older woman. She was in her 70s at this point. And she basically said, you're not going to, I'm not guilty. I'm not going to kneel down for you. You're going to have to come and get me. And the executioner did. He wound up actually chasing her around the, um, the stage that they used for beheading executions. Um, he kept swinging axes at her. And apparently this plays out every so often when you're actually visiting the Tower of London. You can see the executioner chasing um, Lady Pole around the platform, taking swings at her. So, I mean, and that's just like one of the hauntings that you, you hear about when it comes to the Tower of London. But there's like a variety of different things, and I'm just fascinated by that whole time frame. So what were some of the others? Um... Lady Jane Grey is also um, buried there. She was uh, beheaded by one of Henry VIII's daughters. Um, Mary I was the one. So the way that the succession went from that time, it went from Henry VIII to his only son, Edward, um, who was a product of his third marriage. Um, and then Mary inherited after Edward died, Mary was um, his, his first wife's daughter. Um, so what she did was, th there was a faction that was um, Protestant, and they wanted to um, make sure that the crown stayed Protestant, so they installed Lady Jane Grey. She was, um, the, she was descended from Henry's sister, so she had a legitimate claim to the throne. Um, her mother abdicated in favor of the daughter, who was Jane. And um, Jane ruled for nine days, um, reluctantly. They had to beat her into it. And um, after that, when Mary came in and she came into power, she put Jane and her husband in the Tower of London, where she kept her for a while. Um, but eventually there, were, there was another uprising of Protestant peasants in the north of England, and they decided that Jane was just too much of a risk, so they wound up actually beheading her, and she's also buried at the Tower of London. Um, Anne Boleyn is said to also be there as well. I've heard stories about her carting her head around underneath her arm, and I don't know if that's true, but there was CCTV footage that was captured a while ago that people say is Anne Boleyn. So I don't know. I mean, it's just the Tudor era is sort of like a really fascinating time right. frame for me. Right, so. right. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. There have been Henry VIII is also rumored to have been there as well. Um, apparently, he had, there's a suit of armor that belongs to him. There's a suit of armor that belongs to him, and um, apparently when you go into the room where it's housed, the people who walk in feel like they're being smothered, and the feeling stays with them until they wind up leaving the room. That's enough about the Tudor era, so why don't you tell me a little bit about you know what fascinates you? Where, where would be a place that you would really like to go? One place that we would never be able to, but um, the White House. 16... 100 Pennsylvania Avenue. It is said to be one of the most haunted places in the U.S. Um, by various ghosts. Um, Abigail Adams, who was the husband of John Adams, who was the second president, they had moved the, from the Capitol up from the Capitol in Philadelphia to what's now Washington, D.C. Well, at the time, it was still just a very small town. And there was a man named David Burns. David Burns was the man who owned almost all the property that is now Washington, D.C. And he sold it to the government. Um, Abigail Adams claimed that um, 
she would stay, um, you know, I should say, she, she would do the wash, because back then they didn't have a big staff. She would do the family's washing and take it to the east end of the White House, because that was the driest uh, area in the house, because at the time, the White House was just surrounded by swampland. And when she would hang the clothes on that end of the house, she supposedly claimed to see the ghost of David Burns walking the property. So that's the first ghost that was noted there. Um, now, the next one was the ghost of Andrew Jackson, Old Hickory. Mm-hmm. When Harry, um, I should say, um, Mary Todd Lincoln, wife of Abraham Lincoln, was very much a spiritualist. She used to hold seances often at the White House. It's been said that Abraham Lincoln participated in those seances as well. But she claims to have seen the ghost of Andrew Jackson, which was the second spirit that has been seen there, um, again, by the First Lady. Um, The next one, um, I should say, later on, okay, that um, Harry Truman, two months into his term of president, wrote in his letters, um, and I, let me find this exact quote because it's pretty interesting. He said, in his letters, uh, he, he wrote to, uh, Harry Truman wrote to his wife, Bess, of what he felt. And he said, I sit here in this old house, work on foreign affairs, read reports, and work on speeches all the while listening to the ghosts walk up and down the hallway, even right here in the study. The floors pop, the drapes move back and forth, and I can just imagine old Andy and Teddy having an argument over Franklin. And what he was talking about is he used to get feelings of Andrew Jackson and Teddy Roosevelt, um, and he imagined they would be arguing over Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, So that's another sighting. But of course, by far... The most famous is Abraham Lincoln himself. I was just going to say that. Um, He's been seen and felt by different people. Uh, Grace Coolidge, the wife of President Calvin Coolidge, uh, she was the first person to have claimed to see Lincoln's ghost. Um, She said she saw the the former president standing, looking out a window uh, of the Oval Office, looking across the Potomac to the former Civil War battlegrounds that were beyond. Um, Lady Bird Johnson, wife of President Lyndon Johnson, reportedly felt Lincoln's presence uh, while she was watching a TV show about Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Um, I know I've read accounts of people who have felt him when when they've stayed over and slept in his bedroom as well. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, uh, the next one, the next big claim was by uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, she used to see uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, oh, I'm sorry. She used to use the Lincoln bedroom mm-hmm. as her study, yes. which is where she claimed to see uh, or feel him late at night. But during a, during a visit to the White House, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands heard a knock on her bedroom door. And when she opened it, when she answered it, she claims to have seen Lincoln's ghost wearing his top hat, and she fainted. Immediately, Prime Minister Winston Churchill of England uh, had visited the White House more than once during World War II, and he told the story of, of emerging naked from his uh, evening bath, smoking his cigar, and when he got out, he saw the ghost of Lincoln sitting by the fireplace in his room. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um. Lillian Rogers Park, she was a seamstress um, who investigated the sound of someone pacing uh, on the upper level of the White House. Another uh, staff member who was there told her that the room in question had been unoccupied and that was old, old Abe pacing the floor. Supposedly, psychics have speculated that Lincoln's spirit remains in the house and that he's often there to give a hand in time of crisis. Now, that would be 
a great place, but I don't think President Obama would let us in. Well, you can do the tours, but I don't think we're going to be allowed to sleep in Lincoln's bedroom overnight, although that would be kind of cool. Right. I know we're not making it happen. If anybody would make it happen, it would be Zach Baggins, and he hasn't done it yet. Exactly. So, but, you know, another another place I would really like to investigate is not necessarily a ghost investigation, but this is going to be, well, there are two, but they're kind of tied together. I would love to go to Loch Ness and investigate the Loch Ness Monster. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go to Scotland. But at the same time, the place we've actually been, Lake Champlain, Yep. they have Champ, who is the Lake Champlain Monster. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel that monster is one and the same and that they're connected through underground springs. I would love to get a boat, get sonar equipment and fish finders and that sort of thing. Go out on the lake. I know you're looking at me, but I'd love to go out and try and find the damn thing. Unfortunately, it's it's not something uh, that would come very cheap. It would be expensive and time-consuming. Yes. People have made a life's work out of it and still haven't found them. So it's very true. You know, if I did it on the weekend, I don't think so. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. I I just I don't know. I'm happy to to let Champ sort of. Come and go as, as he pleases more than anything else. All right. We're going to take a quick break here, um, and we're going to come back. And I think we're going to discuss the various um, mythologies and what we think would be most likely to be real and what we think is really far-fetched. So hold on a real quick moment, and we'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. Yeah, intermission. Yeah. 
monster um, or the cryptozoology in general Bigfoot um, you know things like that UFOs or lastly all the conspiracy theories so my choices are ghosts cryptozoology UFOs you you, you can break down cryptozoology into the different ones like if you think the chupacabra is real that's fine if you think Bigfoot's real or whatever or if you think Whichever one. So you can pick whatever one. I mean, if you want to pick the JFK conspiracy, um, you know, or something like that. But it, it has to be one of those categories. It has to be the part of those categories. Either conspiracies, you know, cryptozoology, UFOs, um, you know, or ghosts. Okay. Well, I'm going to automatically lean towards ghosts. I know I've seen one before. I I feel them when we go and we investigate. Um, And I'm a pretty good barometer as to when there's something around. So that's the one that I'm going to lean towards, um, where I think that there is the most possibility of um, something being around. Um, You also asked about the least the one yes. I thought the least. Which which do you think has the least? And I think I know what you're gonna say. But <laughs> um, I am going to go with. Um, you know what I'm gonna say, and I know this is gonna surprise you. I'm gonna say the people who think that the the moon landing didn't happen that that's the conspiracy that the government just sort of faked it. I'm gonna say they're nuts. I really think it happened. Um, I don't think that at the time we had the ability to make something look that real. That wasn't. Okay. And I know I shocked you because I know you were going to think that I was going to go with Bigfoot. but I, I really did think <laughs> you were going with Bigfoot. <laughs> I Absolutely. Can't, I can't be predictable. No, not at all. Um, what about you? I, I, for me, the number one possibility of being real... Um, is UFOs. Why? I think the galaxies are, are, too, are too abundant and too massive to think we're the only life form here. I also think it would be too simplistic to think that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we would be very short-sighted in thinking we're the only ones here. I, I just... And there's so much, I think there's more evidence to um, say that UFOs and aliens are real than even ghosts, Um, even though, you know, I know what we've seen, I just think there's too much evidence. And even, you know, when you have have astronauts who are in space telling you they saw something, these are credible people, I, I... you know, who are trained to know what other aircraft look like. You know, when, when they tell you that they saw something out their windows while they were in space when nothing else should be up there or even possibly could be up there from Earth, I, I have to put a lot of credit in that. And there's just been so many reportings and, you know, and just statements that, you know, like right after Roswell when the initial reports came out and said we captured a UFO and then all of a sudden the next day the reports, no, it was just a weather balloon. The reports were changed. There's so many instances of that, that of of cover-ups, um, 
Now, I'm not saying it goes as far as like the stuff we see on the show Ancient Aliens, where there are some really far-fetched theories. But I think there's a lot of evidence. I mean, the English government, as recently as a year or two ago, produced or or, or uh, unclassified their UFO records. Right. Um, so did the Soviet Union, or not Soviet Union, but but Russia. Um, wow, well, I got to get out of the 80s, huh? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I don't know. To me, that's the most. That's the one I think would be the most realistic. And I can agree with that. I mean, I know. Um, one of my one of my favorite movies is Contact, which um, was written by Carl Sagan, astrophysicist, brilliant mind. Um, and in one uh, one of the lines in particular, sort of stuck with me after you know at, as many years ago as I've seen it. It would be an awful waste of space if there wasn't something else out there. Um, and I'm paraphrasing it because that's not exactly how it was said, but it's true. Um, I, I don't know whether or not aliens are looking to land here. I think that we would be under observation, which is why you get the, the flybys so often. Um, but I don't think we're on a level where we could actually communicate with them or that they even care. They're just looking to see what we're doing, how advanced we are, and then taking that information and flying home. So what they're doing with it, I don't know, but... I don't think that we are in a position right now as a species where we could even engage with them. So what you're saying is they're much like the Federation in Star Trek who, before going to a strange world, they observe it first before making first contact. Hmm. Are you a red shirt? No. <laughs> not a red shirt. Um, I, w I would be Captain Kirk because, you know... If you could be Captain Kirk, then be Captain Kirk. Unless you can be Betty White, and then you should always be Betty White. Well, <laughs> I'd rather be Captain Kirk. You know, um, as far as the one that I think is the least likely, and it's hard to say, but I think a lot of the cryptozoology for me, although I believe in some of it, I do believe... Bigfoot exists. Um, uh, the, the thing, you know, the Jersey Devil is a hard one for me to buy, even though we live in Jersey and, you know, and I have seen the Jersey Devils on ice, but that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's another thing. Growing up, you know, we, we talk about the Jersey Devil, but when I grew up in New York, I hadn't heard of the Jersey Devil until the hockey team came here. And then I read about the connection and I was like, oh, what is this Jersey Devil? So, you know, hockey taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, but, um, and I think some of the conspiracies are really out there. I, the 9-11 conspiracies, I just want to smack people when they, when they, you know, talk about whether it was an inside job or not. And, and because you can take anything and make a documentary out of it. I posted on Facebook, someone took the original Star Wars or Star Wars trilogy and got the big voiceover documentary guy and formed a whole theory about how the blowing up of the Death Star is an inside job and how Luke Skywalker, the son of Anakin Skywalker, who is Darth Vader, how he didn't have to use a computer to fire the shot and how he was being chased by who through the trench? His father, Darth Vader who intentionally missed him? Why would a... Now, mind you, this is speculation, um, as we have some massive noise going by outside. The I think house. it was a car. Um, but um, the, specu you know, the, the whole speculation is, why would the second-in-command of the Empire decide that he was going to single-handedly go after the fighter in the trench? And how is it that every single turret and fighter somehow let this X-Wing sneak by them? And, you know, I mean, you know, and mysteriously, mysteriously, the one who had the stolen plans was Princess Leia, who happens to be who? Darth Vader's daughter. 
bum, bum, bum. Conspiracy. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it was, they actually did a great job on that, on that video. Um, it had you believing that the whole Star Wars trilogy was an inside job and, you know. Mm-hmm. But okay, you know, but it's just, I think that it all goes back to, you can take literally anything, confuse the facts, put half facts in, um, take expert testimony and take it out of sequence, take, and you can make it all match up to show a conspiracy. Um, now, if there ever was a conspiracy I do believe in, it would be the JFK conspiracy. I know you do. I, I absolutely believe in that one. Um, but there are so many conspiracies out there that, you know, after a while your head will spin reading. You'll think, think everything in the world's a conspiracy. You know, most of them I don't put any stock in. And the one I hate the most, even more than the 9-11 conspiracies, are the old chemtrails. You know. Are those the ones where they said the government was coming and dumping chemicals on us yes. from the oh, those from things. airplanes? Um, yeah, the, va- the vapor trails in the sky were really chemicals that were coming and they were testing on us. Right, yeah. and there's too much science to prove that they are not anything but what we call contrails, which are naturally produced by jet engines. Um. It's all science, and the problem is people like to twist things because, you know, a conspiracy sounds so much better than the truth. It's true. But Occam's razor, you know, which Mm -hmm. is basically the the simplest explanation for anything is usually the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a, it's a pretty good constant. And, but, you know, the conspiracies are out there all over the place. And like I said, there, I mean, we have on, on our Roku player a whole conspiracies network where you can just literally sit there for hours and watch conspiracy after conspiracy after conspiracy. And there seems to be a conspiracy about everything. You know? Um, it's just, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, first of all, have you ever played, have you ever told somebody something and said, don't tell anybody? Sure. And what happens? They immediately go and tell somebody. It would be hard to hush up thousands of people that it would take to have, you know, gone through with these conspiracies. Well, you know? I know what happens to them. They're abducted by aliens, in air quotes. And then well, they're never heard from again. So there's another conspiracy we can throw out there. The right. government's really behind the alien abductions. Well, <laughs> you know, if you talk to Giorgio from Ancient Aliens, he's, he's got a lot. He can connect the dots, you know. I'm sure. You know. He does it with his crazy hair, but no, nah, actually, I like Giorgio. I think he's really, you know, he's fun. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to play a little game. Okay. This first game is called Paranormal Lifeboat. Now, I've played this game with Chris before. Okay. I'm going to play it with you now. Okay. Um, I've actually played this with a lot of people on this show, but mm-hmm. um, we're going to get to this one. If you had, if you were... On a lifeboat, mm-hmm. and you were going to wind up stranded on an island, right? And you can only, or I should say, you're, you're, you're. I apologize. You're on an island, and there's a light lifeboat. It can only fit three people, including yourself. Okay. But on that island was Josh Gates, Grant Wilson, and. Aaron from Ghost Hunters. Okay? hmm You can only take two of them with you. One right. of them has to stay behind. Uh-huh. Who goes on the lifeboat with you and why? Josh Gates and Grant Wilson. Mm, you leave Aaron <laughs> behind. I would leave Aaron behind. I think he's a little bit handier. Um, and I'm quite sure that I'm going to be picked up faster in, you know, when the, the ship comes sailing by if Josh Gates is with me because he's a real cutie. Mm. <laughs> Having met him in person, I can I can say that with a thousand percent accuracy. Now we now, okay. On that note, we've met a lot of you know celebrities. Uh-huh. Out of all of them, who is your favorite? Oh boy, um, 
I would have to say um, probably Josh Gates. I was able to actually talk to him. He was very personable. Um, when we met Grant Wilson, I kind of got a little bit tongue-tied and got a little bit shy, and I didn't really want to talk too much to him. Um, but Josh was just very nice to talk to. He was, he made me feel extremely comfortable. Um, so he was probably my favorite. How about you? Oh, that, see, this one's tough because, um, you know, as you know, we've been to a lot of events, and we keep yep. – we, we, Keep there meeting people. Well, no, no, we keep meeting people, but there are there are three people who are seem to be at every event we're at, and I can call them. Well, two of them I can I definitely you know consider friends right now, and that's Brian Kano, mm-hmm. um, and Christopher DeCesare. Yep, uh, those are my pals. Um, but a third one who's been really nice to us over the years has been Bruce Tango. Yeah, he has been. He's been very, very nice to us. Um, you know, and, you know, it, but Grant Wilson was really nice to me. Mm-hmm. Um, re- I mean, really nobody's been a jerk. Um, but, you know, it, you know, but Brian, I, I you know, I, I talk to him on Facebook and whatnot, and, you know, he's always responsive, and, and he's been great about coming on the show and whatnot, and, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon yeah. as he sees us, he knows us, he recognizes yeah. us, and, you know, that's a good thing, and we, but it, it's weird, you know, because you build up this relationship, and, you know, with people, you know, that you see all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, speaking of people, real quick, I, I just want to mention, speaking of people who were very nice to me, um, last week I had the pleasure of doing the Paranormal Rehab show uh, with Chuck and Kevin. That radio show, we had a ball doing that show. In fact, they've asked me to come back, and I will go back on that show again very soon. Um, two really good guys. Um, got to got to talk to uh, Chuck before the show and, and then on the show, and really, really nice guy. Uh, I recommend if you guys have time, their show is on Wednesday nights at 10 o'clock. They do a live show. There's a chat room. You can go to their website, paranormalrehab.com, uh, and find them there, and you can log in. They do a really good show. Um, if, you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the show I was on, they have it in their archives. Um, it, was a, it was a fun show. We had, we had a good time. As we said, we're going to do it again. We ran out of time. We only had an hour. We're probably going to need at least another hour to touch on stuff, if not more. But, um, yeah, check those guys out. And, again, that's Chuck and Kevin from the Paranormal Rehab uh, Show. And it's paranormalrehab.com. And you can also find them on Facebook as well. So check those guys out. You'll enjoy their show. Um, you know, if you're looking for another paranormal show to listen to beyond ours. <laughs> so, but yeah, those guys are really, you know, really good guys. So let me flip it around to you with the lifeboat. Because I don't think I've ever played it with you. So okay. out of those three guys that you mentioned to me on an island, it was Josh Gates, Grant Wilson, Aaron Goodwin from Ghost Adventures. Who would you take? And who would you leave behind? Wow. Now, mind you, let's face it. This is a theoretical lifeboat. And if one of them had to die on an island stranded... Who said they died? They could just no, no, stay that's there how, that's stranded. How, that's how this game goes. It's, it's oh. two people in the lifeboat. One gets left behind. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, that's a rough one. But I would have to take Grant Wilson. Of course. Um... Well, it's always good, good to have a plumber around, you know? <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, um, and it, the, 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 the second choice is tough, Josh Gates or, or Aaron. Um, based on the fact that we've met and hung out with Josh Gates, I'm going to say Josh Gates because he was really, really nice to us. Mm-hmm. But it's a tough one because I really like Aaron. Uh-huh. And I also think if we did need to sacrifice someone to a sea monster, he would be the guy because, you know, um, let's face it, Zach sacrifices him to every dark demonic thing there is. That's very true. But, uh, you know, but, but yeah, I guess it would have to be Grant and, and Josh as well. I think Aaron, for me, he gives off kind of a MacGyver-esque tone. So I think that, you know, if he's if he could do it, he's building a boat out of, like, you know, sticks and spit. I mean, right. I, I think that he could do it. Yes, that's a good way to think of it. You know? You know and he's already got his vest with lots of pockets. So. True. So you know. he probably has a lot of stuff stored. Although if you did want to make it a, uh, 
you know, if you did want to make it a documentary after the fact, he might be the guy to go to because he's the cameraman. That's true. But that's just a whole different uh, ball game. Mm, definitely. So now, oh boy, this is the second part of this game. Okay. Now you have two. Okay. What's going to be a sadder day when Josh Gates passes away or when Grant Wilson passes away? Oh God. Um. I don't know. Well, how do they die? I, that, that's neither here nor there. It's well, just... No, because circumstances... You, you, you know, I mean, if one person is just of old age in no, their no, no, bed, no, no. that's different no, than if, you know, they, they're getting hit by a bus. It does matter. No, no, it doesn't. It, it's just for you, which would be a sadder day. It's going to depend. You know? No, you have to pick one or the other. This is, this is, that's how the game goes. It's not... It's not it depends. Um... Oh boy. Um probably Grant Wilson. Will be the Saturday. It huh? will be the Saturday. Because he's really the reason um that I am doing what I'm doing. Because before I watched Ghost Hunters, I didn't realize that people were actually going out and trying to figure out what the bumps were that happened in the night. Right. You know, so I'm just personally, he's the one who sort of, you know, said it was, hey, it was okay to, to be that weird girl who was, when she was four years old, saw the ghost, and then proceeded to tell every single person that she knew um, throughout the years, you know, that it was okay to, to do that and it was acceptable. Right, um, right. Where I think with Josh, it is different because it's not necessarily paranormal related what he does anymore um i mean he goes and he investigates a lot of legends he he does that but he's also looking for um different types of things not just entity spirits that sort of thing like i think yeah i would have to say grant okay okay what about you um hard when you turn your choices back on yourself no no I, you know for me it's not it, for me it would be it would be grant because um he's been with us longer so to speak because mm -hmm. you know we've been watching him for a much longer period of time so you know uh i think the harder choice would have been if you would have said gene simmons or paul stanley i might you know okay that'd be a rough one yeah so who would it be <laughs> Let's see if you can answer this, Kiss fan. Um, it would be much sadder if Paul went. Why? Um, I I just I'm you know I'm a Kiss fanatic and mm -hmm. Ace is always my favorite and Paul's my number two. Peter's my least favorite. Okay. Gene is you know he's right there and uh -huh. um. But I I just I have so much respect for Paul and and. You know, and my adoration, mm -hmm. as you know, I mean, behind us in the studio is a shrine to kiss. It really is. If you, know, you guys have to see this, it would be between between the kiss model guitars, the action figures, and autograph, you know, memorabilia and everything else. It's my shrine to kiss, <laughs> among other things. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's also a shrine to Star Trek, Doctor Who, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. It, it's a lot of things. You know. Now, see, if you would have said, you know, if you would have given me the choice between, like, Bill Murray and William Shatner, oh, God, I would be torn horribly. Would you? Yeah. I'm going to make you answer. It's the Shat and it's, it's Bill Murray. Right. So you know. I'm going to make you answer. <sighs> That's a tough one. You're the one who keeps suggesting these things. If you just stop, I wouldn't make you answer the question. I would be more torn, and it's going to probably happen first, but when when William Shatner goes. Really? Because he's, he's 80, I know, but I don't think... Yes, but he's been with me since I was a child. Right. I mean, I probably had my first William Shatner Captain Kirk action figures at three years old. He has been there with me. Please don't do the voice. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you know... 
And Bill Murray, yes, I love Bill Murray and I love Ghostbusters, but it's not Star Trek. True. Star Trek is is probably one of the most iconic things in the world. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, Star Trek, mm-hmm. you know. So if you had to have one gadget from Star Trek, you're the gadget guy. And everybody should here should know that he loves technology. He The latest and greatest is what he's all about. So if you had to make one thing from Star Trek real, one gadget, what would you do? It would be the tricorder. Okay, what's that? Um, tricorder is, it's that thing that's on my shelf right there. But they but, can't uh, see it. I know, but I'm just saying. Well, the tricorder is essentially, there's two types. There's the medical tricorder, and then there's the scientific tricorder. And Truth. it's essentially a small computer, uh-huh. which is able to take instant analysis of air samples mm-hmm. and and bring up information on the planet. So essentially, it's it's a smartphone. Right. Um, but in a bigger form. Um, and they would, you know, you'd see Mr. Spock holding it, taking readings on the planet. Oh, that thing? Yes, you'd, he'd take readings on the planet. Um, Dr. McCoy would have the medical tricorder in, in one hand and that little salt and pepper shaker in the other that he would wave over people to heal them. And okay. he'd take, read his results. Um, but yeah, the tricorder would be, you know the most um, useful. Okay. So if you had to choose between the scientific one and the medical one. Oh, scientific one. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. <laughs> I am you, a man maybe of Maybe you could be with that thing. Maybe all the the, no, the medical knowledge is, is residing in that thing, and it just tells them what to do. Maybe. Maybe. So maybe you could be a doctor yeah. with it. One day we'll have to, uh, we'll have to talk about the... Uh, where Star Trek and, and a lot of other science fiction goes went wrong. True. And some of the things they predicted really well. That'll be the subject for a different show. But on that note, we have to wrap up. We've been here just about an hour. We're going to play a song out of here, and we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good night. I don't have to be here, you know. I don't have to show up here. With my vast financial holdings, I could have been basking in the sun in Florida. This is just a hobby for me. Nothing, you hear? A hobby. (laughs) 